Hello and welcome to the Test Tube Podcast. As always, I'm your host Dan. Today is a very special episode. We will be talking about all things inclusivity. So let's get right into it. Wahoo! Welcome to Test Tube Podcast. So today is a very special episode. We are joined by the lovely Ajem Loon. And they're going to introduce themselves and we're going to talk about inclusivity today. Hi, I am Christina from the iGym team. And I'm Laurie, also from the iGym team of 11. I'm also joined by my two lovely extra people working on inclusivity too. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Grace from the extra iGym team. Hi, I'm Ellie, also from the extra iGym team. What would probably be useful to start off with is if you guys would like to introduce your inclusivity work as an overview and then I'll let these guys get on and explain what their project is. For our job in inclusivity, we decided to also make a podcast about scientists that have overcome adversity and despite all that, they managed to become one of the greatest scientists in the world and we thought it would be beneficial for also iGEM teams because, you know, it's very normal for all of us to hit roadblocks and protocols are not working in the lab and stuff like that so it it's basically for all of us to keep persevering and despite these problems to find a way and be inspired from these amazing scientists that's awesome any barriers in particular that you're addressing Anything in general, from the submissions that we've gotten so far, we realized a lot of teams are focusing on women scientists because I feel like women scientists are not really appreciated Mm -hmm. in the STEM world. And it's really nice that a lot of iGEM teams also realize that. Do you agree? Yeah, indeed. Because I think, indeed, a lot of women are in the science world now. And we are very happy that people see it as a problem that there was in the past and that it's better now. Can I just ask a lot of your entries, because I know it was each team kind of sending a five minute clip. Was it people talking about their personal experiences? So kind of current discrimination or was it historically how that's been? It was more historically, like persons they chose, for example, Rosalind Franklin um, or Marie Curie. So a lot of women, as you can hear, but indeed more like historical figures because we look up to them. So I. I think, and it's always easier to talk about somebody else's his problems than your own problems, I guess, because it's very personal. I think Rosalind Franklin is such a great one because I've read Discovery of the DNA Helix by James Watson and lots of his criticisms of her were purely appearance-based and, oh, she wore more makeup, she'd be <laughs> so she was... more attractive, like that's yeah. relevant in any way. So I remember reading that and being really angry about what I yeah did. it's let us be the woman we want to be I mean yeah <laughs> yeah have your perspectives changed as a result of this then I mean you said you've gotten stuff from all sorts of teams have you like kind of since doing this project have you taken on new perspectives or new mindsets since starting yeah more like uh we realize how privileged we are in a way like for example uh we decided to do our project about Katherine Johnson uh, she's a mathematician for NASA and she did the main calculations for the Basically. first U.S. flights mm-hmm. into space. And it was really difficult for her to reach where she did reach. And she was uh, never allowed in the meeting rooms because she was female. And she also had to, for example, in her building, there were no colored bathrooms because segregation was still a thing in there in Virginia at the time. And so she had to run like half a mile every time to her to another building to go to the toilet. And it's just 
despite all that, she still achieved so much. And we just realized how privileged we are. It's really sad that even in the late 1950s, it was so much more difficult. Yeah, that's true. Especially as being a woman now in science, you see how much they fought to get here to the moment that we are now. That, but still, it still exists, of course. Uh, you hear a lot of stories where people still say, oh, you're a woman and you want to study engineering? Oh, you won't fit in here. And then you're like, whoa, this is like the 21st century. How can it be like that? But it still exists. So, Do you think you have faced any barriers as a woman in STEM? I'm originally from the Middle East and I was studying, studying there in high school. And when Christina asked me this question, I thought about it. And the first thing that came to my mind is, I had a math professor and he came up to me, he said it in front of the whole class that engineering and physics is for men and biology and nursing is for women, like to my face. And I was telling Christina that that's probably why I went into engineering. Of course, the passion of it, but that's probably <laughs> the last push that made me go, I'm doing this. And 10 years from now, when I'm an engineer and actually working, I really want to email him and be like, See, I, I made it, despite being a Shit. woman in the Middle East. <laughs> That's really interesting, because I think, statistically, of all the subjects, I do biology, which mm -hmm. I think is most equal with boys and girls. So is, is engineering the most divided? I don't know if it's divided, but at least in my year, I can probably count on my, like, two hands how many girls there are in my degree, compared to, like, a hundred boys that are left but i study bioscience engineering and i have the feeling it's it's pretty mixed at the moment and the couple of years that are coming are all a bit fine i guess but if you go more into civil engineering i guess it's all more boys that's true it, how do you think that affects things as a student kind of on a day-to-day -day basis you mean like enrollment you're yeah, thinking about, it, oh i won't have friends yeah yeah kind yeah. of the feeling of uncomfortability i think it, it can happen because also when you enroll you people can react like oh you're gonna study civil engineering <gasps> that happened yeah. to me i forgot yeah. it's it's kind of a <laughs> okay it's a can i say this yeah, story? yeah sure <laughs> i was in a bar I don't know if we can talk about it in a podcast, but oh, I was in a... We can, we can talk about being in a bar. <laughs> I was in a bar and this older gentleman was talking to me who I did not want to talk to. And he asked me what I was going to study. And I said, engineering. And he's like, he looked at me weirdly. And he was like, no, isn't, that weird? isn't yeah. that weird for a woman? He actually said that. And I was like, I can't believe someone actually said that to my face. Yeah, it yeah. really happens. Crazy. It's obscene that that can happen ever we're in the 21st century how is this still a thing yeah that's true ellie and grace would you like to talk about any barriers you faced to be honest i think i am very fortunate my mum actually did physics at oxford in christchurch which i think took women in later than the rest of them i'm not sure but i think she was like the ninth female ever to do physics at that college so i think i think your home life really influences how you feel and I personally don't think I've ever been discriminated against as a woman and there's actually the women in stem society that has just been set up at Exeter and I thought oh that's really cool like mm -hmm. that applies to me I might get involved kind of thing and mm -hmm. then one of our PIs for the project Chloe said 
she kind of refuses to be labeled as a woman in STEM because she thinks it's quite counterproductive to say that it's only females that are discriminated against disabled people people of color and it kind of made me rethink that phrase as something so I've I've kind of taken that on to an extent I think now that I don't think it necessarily means that I am discriminated against because I am a woman in step. I mean it's something that I'm still proud of but yeah I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it. Should we have Ellie and Grace give us a quick rundown of Exeter's inclusivity project? All right well we have three main things that we're focusing in on for our project so all of them centre around improving barriers in STEM for disabled people so the first one we're looking at is just purely just looking at the barriers defaced by disabled people in STEM. So we're doing a series of interviews trying to ask about things such as do they feel safe in their workplace? Do they feel that they have an equal voice in their field? Do they feel like that they've had the similar opportunities as like their non-disabled counterparts? Things like that. The second part we're addressing is we're trying to directly address some of these barriers by giving some physical accessibility solutions. So we're mainly focusing in on micro pipettes. I'm sure, as you know, another iGEM team, you guys know how much we use micro pipettes. Like you yeah, literally indeed. cannot escape them. And <laughs> it's like that for every bio lab. So if you have, for example, a motor coordination issue or an issue with like grip strength, using a micro pipette isn't accessible to you and therefore an entire field of STEM becomes inaccessible to you. So we're trying to develop some tools that we can add on to micro pipettes to make it accessible for people with those conditions. Wow. And we're hoping to get some testing done hopefully soon so we can provide some actual data on whether that works. And then our final part of our project is we're looking into cures. So in the disability community, cures have like a really long and detailed history with people you know, as they become more comfortable with disability, like in society and stuff, people have become less willing to get cures. And with so many iGEM teams being really interested in things like therapeutics and diagnostics, like those are some of the most oversubscribed iGEM tracks, having mm-hmm. the input from communities who will likely be impacted by their research is really important because a lot of these communities are no longer interested in receiving cures. They want other they want other things. They want things that improve their quality of life and allow them to retain their identity as a disabled person. I love the micropipette idea. Like, yeah, it's indeed. so good. I'm really proud of you guys. I don't even know you guys, but I'm so proud. Like, it's such a nice <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, good and brainstorm. <laughs> these, these guys have done some incredible work on it. Do you also target other people? Like when your first part, you were talking about people in general with disabilities, or is it mainly people with motorical problems? So for the first and the last section, so the barriers to STEM and then uh, symbio and cures, we're targeting anyone who is disabled. It's just for the micro pet one, we're focusing on two specific disabilities just to make it, you know, it gives us a narrow field to work with and we can really focus on making it perfect for those people. I think when it came to designing equipment, you kind of have to hone in on one particular group. But I think it does set a precedent of it's increasing accessibility. It's not replacing pipettes. It's just making them more usable for more people. And just doing background research, there was so many things that didn't really occur to me. There were lab equipment for blind people and all of these things that we wouldn't consider. Unfortunately, I also hadn't thought about the difficulties disabled people would have in labs. And now you've brought awareness to it. And now even going forward, I'll also think about it. And, you know, you'll also encourage many more IGM teams in the future and people to like work on these as well. It's really amazing. Until Grace, I didn't really massively think of it. I mean, in the context of IGM specifically, but there was a stat I found in a paper that people with disabilities make up. I think it's 2.7% of the workforce in STEM 
compared with 20% of the working population. I've got a quick question for both both sort of sets of people we have here today. Mm-hmm. It's about inclusivity in the context of iGEM. First of all, how do you feel iGEM is in terms of inclusivity? Do you think it promotes it? And especially focusing on things like the Inclusivity Award, do you think having an award such as this is positive? I, I think in overall, it's like a generally positive thing because it does encourage people to start thinking about barriers that they might not have faced or systems that are like actively working against uh, people who are trying to get access to the STEM field but just can't because of what's in place. And I think it's like really great for hopefully informing people about some of these barriers and getting them to address it because a lot of people, they might be interested in addressing you know, systemic issues like this, but if they aren't aware about it, they can't really do much about it. Yeah, we ag- agree, of course. It's a, it's a good idea to highlight the in- inclusivity because then you are more aware of it. You try to focus on it. And you can bring awareness to other teams as well, you know, like teams from all the world. I'm sure, for example, if you have to display your uh, micropipette idea for disabled people in the competition, people will, a lot of people will think about it more, you know, and you'll reach an audience from all over the world. And that's something that's really beautiful about IGM. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's all kind of freely available. So if we are successful with our pipette design, we can just then put the CAD file online and anyone in the world can then print that and kind of give it a go at the booth, at the jamboree and stuff. In, in the future, how do you feel that inclusivity will be taught or should be taught, both in the context of ourselves and how we can make areas of STEM and others more accessible? I think I'll kind of repeat what I said previously about what Chloe had said about a lot of inclusivity has become quite performative and you are a woman in STEM, you are special and telling people these things, I think that does create somewhat of a divide and I think if we all sit back and listen to each other a bit more we will realise that there are, are things beyond what have traditionally been barriers i think the best way to encourage inclusivity in the future is genuinely to teach kids from the start to encourage stem for kids for example i really want to get my sister into coding she's 10 years old and i think it's really important to start young and to make all kids like of all different backgrounds and all genders like to feel like they can do it if they want to and i think it's really important to start from the beginning because I don't know, I would have loved to see more female role models or Middle Eastern female role models when I was younger to be like, oh, I can be like her. Well, I personally, like in the future, I'd like to see like education, not only just in STEM and inclusivity, but like across the board. I'd really love to see it. The education is no longer done with the mindset of we'll make a standard education and then everyone who um, has some sort of barrier they're facing, whether they're like disabled or a woman or um, a racial minority, anything, they're kind of currently given the responsibility to adapt to the program and I'd really love to see if like in the future programs can be designed so that they can be inclusive to everyone like the program is designed in a way that no longer do people have to adapt the program to suit their needs but the program is already adapted to suit them I think that would make a huge difference in addressing a lot of the barriers and getting people more aware of how to better accommodate for things because you can't necessarily accommodate for things if you don't know what needs to be done or what is good examples of addressing these barriers Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I to, to all four of you, thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining me on this. It's been really, really cool to have you guys on. And I will make sure to link to any social media 
as well as when the podcast is finished I will link you to go and listen to that because I'm sure it'll be amazing oh thank you so much for having us thank you so much such a pleasure (laughs) I will end the recording there goodbye everybody (laughs) that's all we have time for today as always thanks to our wonderful guests and please feel free to follow us on instagram at exeter.igem2022 on youtube exeter igem2022 or pop us an email on exeter.igem2022 at gmail.com please ask any questions via the social media or in the comments and any other feedback is greatly appreciated. Bye for now.